0: This is a podcast by Well House Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap. While everything else is just a matter of perspective. What's poppin' beer lovers? What, what up? What's going on? What are we doing? We drinking beer
1: and talking
0: theology. and talking theology, specifically feminine theology. Uh,
1: not well, totally feminine theology, yeah. But it's like, not, yeah, it's not not totally theology, theology at all. You. Ha-
0: feminist I, theology you have to do this to get to feminist theology though uh
1: well no actually that's not true cuz no? F- no feminist theology says that i'm going to do theology from the perspective of a woman um and so not exactly and feminist theology is just a type of it's just a way to read theology from feminist theology is a subcategory of liberation theology okay and so, no, any any type of subcategory of liberation theology is just doing theology from the viewpoint of an oppressed person. Mm. And so, feminist theology is that from...
0: The perspective of a woman.
1: Um, Latin American or black theology, liberation theology is that from those who are oppressed in, in that manner. Immigrant theology is those that, like, especially in America where we
0: oppress immigrants. I would love to get a woman on here to do a series on feminist theology?
1: Um, it's kind of difficult. Um, and honestly, because those... I consider myself a feminist, but I'm not, like, third wave. Yeah. Um, but really, like, today, those, like, feminist theologians are also process theologians. Mm. And... I'm not here for process theology. I'll just go ahead and say it. Like, I'm not there. Uh, It's just a touch too far for me. Yeah. There there are things about it I like. And so, full disclosure, like, this is a theology podcast. I'll just go ahead and own my part. Uh, I'm really intrigued by, and I'm not ready to call myself yet, but pretty close to, I think I hadn't found anything that I'm like, Oh yeah. I like this better than this, which is open theism. Um, and open theism is a precursor to process theology. Mm, okay. I was lost. Um, I was like, what? yeah, well you're not, that? yeah, you're not, yeah, you can't see it, but, uh, you don't know all these words and terms and things, but, Yeah, so process theology is open theism taken too far. Now, there are some people, very close friends of mine, that in conversations we've had not knowing that I am like close to or potentially close to just straight up calling myself an open theist, told me that they thought open theism was heretical. <laughs> and I was like, all right, so I know where we're at now. Appreciate that, homeboy. <laughs> yeah, legit. Legit, straight that's up. That's scary. It's like, that's uh, heretical. And it's like, well, no, actually, it's not at all. But. <laughs> okay, then.
0: So talk about that.
1: Yeah, I can't say much about it. Um, because I don't actually know what it is. Uh, <laughs>
0: it could be one of three different things. Uh,
1: yeah. So, well, one of two actually, because we only use these tops on two oh, beers. That's right. So if you're on YouTube, you can see that I'm holding an unlabeled bottle with an American flag beer cap, cap top bottle cap. That's because this is one of our home brews that we found in my garage.
0: Just stuffed away in a box somewhere.
1: And honestly, as I said last week when I referenced this, this is either going to be the best beer I've ever had or the worst beer I've ever had because it potentially could have sat there for like two years and went through all four seasons and temperature changes. Mm-hmm. Now, luck, it was in a box. Yep. And so, and it was closed well, open. but but it was also in my garage, yeah. and it was at, it was in the top of a shelf, so it didn't have any UV exposure. No, it did not have any. So, we've at least saved it from that, but it has been through many temperature changes. So, here's what I can tell you. This is going to be one of two things. It's either going to be the last remaining of the best beer we have ever brewed. The Black IPA. The Black IPA, or... It is going to be not my best. It could be the Porter. Uh, No, we did those in uh, Silver Tops.
0: Did we? Yeah.
1: This. Oh, you know what? No. Some
0: of them had the American flag tops, I thought.
1: I don't know. We'll see when I open it. It,
0: it could be that or the caribou slobber. Like, I, I yeah, so I was
1: going to say, I think it's probably going to be I'm, I'm the pretty brown, sure, I'm pretty the, sure the caribou, caribou slobber. Be, I'm
0: pretty sure it's going to be the caribou, but it could be the other two. I hope it's the black IPA. I hope it's the black IPA too.
1: And I hope it's good. But yeah, I will let you know when I open it what it is.
0: I am very excited about And if this. it's
1: good or not. If it's not good, I'm going to dump it down the sink and go
0: grab me a life. <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, don't blame you. I'm very excited about this. You guys know. Did you I bought, buy that or did I buy that? I bought this. Okay. Um, so once again, just staring at the singles on the HEB aisle, um, saw this. It caught my eye. Yeah. And I'm like, I would be remiss yeah. if I did not drink this. Okay. The name of it is Big Bad Baptist. Yes. <laughs> yes. Big Bad Baptist Imperial Stout. Uh, it's a stout with cocoa nibs. Or cacao nibs, however you want yeah, to that. Co-co. Cacao, cocoa. You know.
1: Those last two letters need to be switched. And there's kind of a Portuguese thing that happens with that A that you're not doing <laughs> cocoa nibs. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. It's on the C, not on the A, you dummy.
1: <laughs> Whatever. I knew it was close there. What is that called? I don't remember. What? The that, that mark.
0: Oh, I don't know. We tried to look that up the other day, if you remember. We couldn't figure it out. <coughs> Excuse me. I still got that cold. Um, but it's also got coffee added, and it's aged in whiskey barrels. I don't know what kind of whiskey barrels. It doesn't say. It just says whiskey. Um, yep, yeah, just says whiskey. Um, I, I wish I could read you what, what they say. Hmm, the Cedilla. The Cedilla. Um, Because it's really funny. Um, I'm I'm going to tamper a word that they use a little bit. Um, they say that the result is a bad butt beer that will <laughs> blow your mind. <laughs> uh, it's from Denver. Uh, I can't actually see the ABV on it. Cause Dude, that's so, huh? <laughs> that's so badass.
1: That's so badass.
0: Editing Colin. edit that out.
1: I'm not. I'm leaving it in. You're leaving it in. I'm leaving it in, dude. Right. Ass is not a bad word. It's in the Bible. It's a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Then they say that the result is a badass beer that will blow your mind. Um, it's from Epic Brewing. I'm really excited about this, mainly just because it's called the Big Bad Baptist. All
1: right. Cheers, buddy.
0: Cheers, man.
1: Ooh. Got a lot like of carb.
0: Is it the? Is it the, it's black? the black? Is it, it is really the black? And
1: it's amazing. Can I? can I? Can I? Can I? Can I? Yes, you can.
0: This is the best beer we have ever brewed, and and that's facts.
1: Yeah. Now I'm second guessing myself, but I'm pretty sure it's the black. No, it's the brown.
0: It's the brown. I taste it. Now. That is one hundred percent the caribou slobber. Yeah, that's the brown, hundred percent.
1: And I think I was so excited. and I wanted it to be the black so bad. I was like, "Oh, it's the black." And then I was like, "Wait, no, it's, no,
0: it's the caribou slobber." And it tastes exactly the same. It does taste exactly and the nothing same. Nothing has changed. But
1: it's a it's a fine beer. Yeah. Uh, so when I did ABV on it, it was like seven percent. Yeah. Um. When I did the IBUs and and all that, it's it's like seven percent. Um. It is a traditional brown ale. Um, uh, I don't remember. There wasn't anything special about it. It was Centennial hops. Uh, yeah, there wasn't anything special. about It wasn't about really it.
0: anything too too special about it. It was a it was a good beer. Solid. We did it's it for dad. Yeah, it's just
1: a normal brown. It, <sighs> there's
0: nothing special about it. No. Um, I wish we had some of that black IPA. Yeah, we'll have to make it again. Yeah. I wish we had made notes on how we did it cuz we actually messed it, it up. Yeah,
1: it the black IPA happened on accident
0: actually. Yeah. We but. we had to step away and we let the wort boil too long and I just it, we it ended up boiling for like an hour and a half.
1: Well, what happened was no, it didn't boil for an hour and a half. What happened was I I let the grain steep. Oh, um,
0: that's what happened. We let the grain steep too long. Well,
1: I let them steep from time not temperature. Yeah. And typically I do everything off temperature. Once the wort reaches a certain temperature, I right. pull the grains. I let it steep too long. And whatever happened. It got super dark. It got super dark it, super quick. It
0: turned black like this for your for my YouTube people, right? Like yeah, it was there's dark. a
1: reason we called it the black IPA because it, was, it was midnight black.
0: It it looked. It was as black as these shelves. Yeah, it it was as dark as a stout is. Uh,
1: yeah, as dark. Yeah, it was
0: as dark as a stout, but it had. So the way our uncle explained it, and I love the way he explained it, is he said you took the three best beer of all time, a stout, a porter, and an IPA, and put them together, and put them in a bottle. Yep. And he wasn't wrong. He he's not wrong. That's what that's what happened. Um, And it
1: happened literally as a fluke.
0: Yeah. We have to redo it and drink it on this podcast because I miss that beer. I miss having it around. Yeah. We used Centennial too, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Along with something else. I'm a very
1: Centennial guy. I I love Centennial hops. Yeah. So, all right. Let's talk about some women. Um, Let's do it. And specifically, we're not necessarily going to talk about a woman. We're talking about women in general and... Well, I want to do several things. I want, well, oh, there's so much I want to say.
0: Um, Essentially, we're going to break down the, the theological piece of women in, in the church, right? Like, Yeah,
1: um, well, and more so, I want to do the theological implications of these positions. Right. Because like, here's what I think happens. We build theologies or we build doctrines independent of our overall theology. Yeah. And so we don't understand what the implications of what we're actually saying are. So, for instance, our dear friends, the Southern Baptist Convention, no one can truly understand what they mean when they say women can't be pastors, but all people are made in the image of God. Hmm. And they're equal. And so it's like, wait, well, if we're equal, why can't we do that? Yeah. Well, it's because you didn't think through what the implications of your position were going to be.
0: E- either you have to say that not everyone is equal or women can also be pastors, right? Like, Correct, yeah. You have to say one or the other.
1: Right. And so and what ends up happening is you, you don't have... I don't want to say the capacity, but you you don't have a way to work through what the fallout of these positions will be based on implication or you don't think them through. And then people don't understand. Well, how can you say we're equal and this doesn't happen? It's like, well, and what, what it really boils down to. And I feel pretty confident saying this. The question on women in ministry boils down to one single interpretation, and it's not 1 Timothy. It's whether or not you view Genesis 1 as the main creation story or Genesis 2. Because in Genesis 1, they are made equal. Yep. They are both made in the image of God. They're yep. both made male and female, and God created them and told them to procreate, Yep, populate the earth. In Genesis 2, God makes Adam and gives Adam a whole bunch of crap to do. And then it's like, oh, wait, Adam's lonely. Let me make
0: Eve. That's where you get the complementarian argument.
1: Yeah. And so all of this stems from which one of those stories you work off of. Yeah. And so we're going to do like episodes Dedicated to that and yeah. exploring that and the theological ramifications of that, but today, no build up. We're just gonna jump right for it.
0: <laughs> it. We're gonna
1: do First Timothy.
0: We we don't we don't mince words on this podcast. Typically, we do not. As, hence, as we should, hence, but we don't. Hence, badass. Like it, yeah. we
1: don't mince words.
0: It and it's not. There are times that I do feel like we should mince more words, but we don't.
1: Well, look, one of our values is to be real. So, I'm just being true to our culture.
0: Yeah. And if we don't like something, we'll we'll say it. But
1: so, in the spirit of being real, I don't like complimentary views of women.
0: I don't like complimentary views of women either.
1: Full disclosure here and disclaimer, I'm very passionate about women and the things that women deal with and i feel like it's a charge of my own and our board at wellhouse feels the same way that we need to create space for women yeah and so i'm probably going to get pretty passionate and heated in this conversation because i think this text of of any and all texts in the bible this is the one most misinterpreted
0: yeah i think that's probably true
1: and so here's what happens
0: <clears throat> Paul. Whoever wrote. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: it, audio only people, you didn't you can't see my air quotes, but Paul air quotes. I Paul. Yeah, writes this letter to Timothy, who's pastor in the church at Ephesus. Yeah. Which is a really weird place. Yeah. And Ephesus has a temple there dedicated to the Greek god of love and sex. Yeah. The, your act of worship to that God... Was to have sex. Well, and not just to have sex. To join a massive orgy... Yeah. In the temple. Yeah. With temple prostitutes. Yeah. This is also the case in Corinth in yeah. 1 Corinthians. So you
0: got a lot of stuff going on here. And let's also remember that had been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years, too. Oh,
1: yeah, that had been going on for a long time. It's
0: not like this was new in, Paul's, in Paul and yeah. Timothy's day. This had been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years.
1: Yeah. And so here, whenever we get to these positions, the complementarians always want to come to this text, yeah. this First Timothy text, but they don't take it Well, let me say, they take the parts of it they want and they leave behind the parts they don't want. Yeah. (laughs) And they make (laughs) it a universal (laughs) statement when it doesn't have
0: to be. Yeah.
1: Like, why in the world is it universal? It's not universal. It doesn't have to be universal. You make it universal. You choose for it to be universal, and it's not. It's true. And. What pisses me off is that they pick and choose what they want and they don't want. Yeah. Now we all that's do what we that, call right? Cherry picking. Well, no, we all do that. We do do that. I've just found a theological way to like deal with mine. And it's that's called, called narrative, narrative theology. theology. <laughs> yeah. I have a way that I know what to leave behind, and it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and I are on the same yeah. wavelength. Thing. It happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. So. This is 1 Timothy 2, beginning in verse 8. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Okay. Now, up to this point, he didn't say anything about women other than the specified men. Yeah. But if Paul truly did write this, then what do you do with 1 Corinthians 11? Because he definitely tells women to pray and prophesy Mm. in church. The question is not if they can, it's how they can.
0: Head covered or uncovered.
1: Correct. Verse 9. Also, that the women should dress themselves modestly and decently in suitable clothing. All right. So to all my complimentary people out here, they would have that for their wives. Ye. Like dress modestly and decently. So you wouldn't have, like, a ton of cleavage showing on those women. They wouldn't wear short skirts, anything like that. Like, that wouldn't exist for a complementarian general person. General modesty. Just general modesty. But here's the deal. Paul's next words are a dependent clause. Paul. Yeah. They are, they, are an expo- they are expounding on what Paul has previously said. Yeah. What is Paul's idea of modesty? It wasn't showing cleavage and wearing mini skirts. It was suitable Nobody clothing. did that.
0: Suitable clothing, not with their hair braided or with gold, pearls, or expensive clothes. That is the exact what, opposite.
1: What, what complimentarian do you know that doesn't let his wife wear jewelry? None. What complimentarian do you know that doesn't let his wife braid her hair if she wants to? None. What complimentarian do you know? that doesn't let his wife buy expensive clothes if she can afford it?
0: None. Why? GPS issues. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got that too. Um, Why? Because the idea of modesty has... I'm sorry. Can I get on this? I'm going to get on social work soapbox. Um, the idea of modesty has become this this idea of how to oppress women to keep them in a box right and and it come and it does stem from here right it does it stems from here but it, it touched other areas it did touch other areas but it comes from here and it, and, it, and it's tried to force women in this box that they can only wear certain things they can only wear their hair a certain way and then but now based on what paul paul says here There's one tradition that I always like to point to that, like, as the modern example of modesty, and that would be the Pentecostals. UPC, man. Yep. The Pentecostals. I can't tell you how many Pentecostal girls I have seen wear jewelry and braid their hair. Yeah. Now, there are a lot that don't. There are a lot that don't, but I've seen a lot.
1: Yeah.
0: I've also seen Catholic girls do these same things. Yeah. Right? And in Catholicism, modesty is a big deal. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, and here's what I think. I could be wrong and I'm not.
0: I'm only like. this tastes like coffee. Yeah? Yeah. It tastes like an alcoholic cold brew. Wow. It's good.
1: I'm only like 60% trying to throw shade here. Okay. There's like 40% of me that doesn't want to throw shade. My suspicion is that the reason the complementarians let their women dress up that way is because they want to parade their woman around. They want their woman to look beautiful, but not for the sake of the woman, for their own sake. Um, And that's the reason I get there is because all of this type of conversation were precursors to the purity culture.
0: I was about to go there.
1: And what happened in purity culture? We didn't tell men, control yourself. We told, we told women, women to cover your body. Yeah. It, it was all about women protecting men.
0: Yeah. Which really... Bass-ackwards. Very bass-ackwards, right? One of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Self-control yourself, men. Yeah, like the... F- I'm sorry if if a girl is showing a little bit of cleavage and you look and you have sexual thoughts. That's your that's fault. On not your, hers. That's on your brain, bro. Yeah. She has no control over what you think and feel. Correct. Right? Like you, you, I'm I'm going to tone it down. I'm yeah. going to tone it down. I was about to, I was about to go off. So
1: right here, we've already seen that, like the complementarians don't hold their full argument. Yeah, and they, and here's, I, I've made this argument to complementarians, and you know what they say to me? Well, that's cultural.
0: No sir, no sir. Hold on. If
1: that's cultural, it's all cultural, bro. You don't get to yeah. pick and choose what's cultural and what's not. I, I've,
0: I've had that said to me too before. I, I'm like, I've lost my mind, dude. <laughs> I lost it.
1: I'm like, do you not hear how stupid
0: that Yeah, is? I lost my mind.
1: In the most gracious and pastoral way possible, <laughs> do you not hear how stupid that
0: sounds? Well, so I'm not even afraid to call this stupid, right? Like,
1: Well, I said how stupid it sounds.
0: Yeah. I'm not afraid to because...
1: Well, I have dear friends that are in this position.
0: That are complementarians.
1: Yeah, and so I'm not going to call them stupid because they're not. But like the position is stupid to me.
0: Yeah, so I, I will say that the position is stupid. The people who hold it are not right, right. But the position in and of in in and of itself is stupid.
1: I do think you really struggle to hold that position. Like, but you, you have to take some
0: huge steps to get there.
1: You you've got to do some jump roping with some very influential texts that yeah. I just don't know how you get out of. So
0: let's move on from this.
1: Yeah. So do not adorn yourself with all these things, whatever verse 10, but with good works as is proper for women who profess reverence for God. Notice once again, it did not say that men also need to do good works. Once again, it's all about women. Mm -hmm. Then it says, and I quote, and this, this right here, legit, no cap. This is where I go, Paul ain't right this. Yeah. Paul ain't right this. He says, let a woman learn in silence with full submission. Okay. Up to this point, Paul hadn't actually said anything Mm. that contradicts anything else he said in other places. Because, like, let him learn in full submission Okay, we got places where he uses that word submission, learning and silence. Yes, you learn by listening. Got it. Yep. You haven't said anything wrong, Paul. Except now, I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She is to keep silent.
0: Flips the table. Game <laughs> like
1: game over, Paul. Now I got big qualms.
0: So and and that's why I have such a hard time, right, and why I always clarify when when we talk about Timothy and I hear somebody say Paul. No, no, Paul did not write that. There's no way. I I am more
1: confident than I'm not that he didn't. Yeah. But,
0: yeah, it's so hard. It, it, it's so controversial with what he's doing in 1 Corinthians, right? Like, yeah, it, it's just it's so controversial. And I have to lean in my narrative theology state. I have to lean on the, the, the character of God here. Right. Like mm-hmm. and say, Paul did not write this. Some other dude claiming to be Paul wrote this and said and, and he had like a misogynistic view. Right. Like that's what I have to say.
1: Well, because it, it that that right there, that alone definitely stands in contradiction to first Corinthians 11. Absolutely. It does. When he tells them to pray and prophesy in church mm-hmm. with their head covered and then you go read First Corinthians 14 and realize that prophecy is modern day preaching,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you can't be silent and prophesy.
0: No. It's literally impossible.
1: There is no way to do that.
0: Yeah. This is not right.
1: No, it's you not. can't keep silent and obey Paul's commands to women in First Corinthians eleven.
0: There, there's literally no way to do it. Um, th- there's, and this is why this is one of those texts that we talked about previously. There's no way to reconcile the two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Correct. There's, there, no, there's way. no way to reconcile it. They are in direct contradiction. Correct. Therefore, proving inerrancy. Man. <laughs> like, not really a thing. Yeah. Um,
1: But. And it only gets worse from here. Yeah. The rest of this argument
0: only gets worse from here. So to me, so we've talked about this before. To me, this is a straw man argument. Like it's. Oh, it absolutely is. It's just nonsense.
1: He says for Adam was formed first then Eve. His argument is essentially that Adam is older. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so which once again goes to my point That someone is reading Genesis 2 over Genesis 1.
0: Well, yes, absolutely. But also, let's go a little bit further.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't, no. That's my thunder. You don't get that one. (laughs) I'm sorry. You don't get that one. I'm sorry. That's mine, bro. (laughs) I'm
0: sorry. Well, but, okay. Yeah, go, go ahead.
1: And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Once again... Is that a good argument? No. First of all, is it a good argument? No. Second of all, Adam was also deceived. He also ate the fruit. Yeah. So you went there, but no, no, no. Oh, you're going. uh, Yeah. You don't get my thunder (laughs) here. I gave you all of let's talk. You shut up. (laughs) This is mine. Point number three in Romans five. Paul thinks that Adam sinned. Yeah. That sin like, oh entered God. the world through Adam. And because sin entered the world through Adam, sin can be taken by the new Adam. Yeah. And why can Paul say that? Because even in the Genesis 2 narrative, Eve was never told not to eat the fruit. Mm. Only Adam was. Mm. So why can Paul say the sin entered the world through one man, one man, Adam? Because it was Adam's job to tend to the garden, and he didn't tell his woman not to eat of the fruit. He told her, according to Genesis 2, not to even look at it. So then when the serpent came and said, did God actually say? Mm. She said, well, Well, wait. I don't know. Yeah. Because Adam told me, God didn't say to me, at least it's not recorded in the narrative. So Paul can say that because it's actually Adam's fault. And Adam, so when God goes to Adam, here's the other thing that's crazy. Eve places, like in Genesis 3, after they eat the fruit, Eve places the blame where it's natural to place the blame. Sure. Where does she place the blame? On the serpent. On the serpent. But God goes to Adam
0: first. Do the you woman admit, you sent me. The <laughs> woman
1: you gave me.
0: Yeah. Well, the a implication
1: jerk. there is that God did this. Yeah. That God screwed my life up because he gave me this woman.
0: Well, but but not only that, he's also essentially what he's done is he put it on the woman and then it actually puts it on God. Well, so no no no. He put it on the woman directly by saying the woman, the subject of that sentence that you gave me, right? Mm-hmm. Eve is the subject of that sentence.
1: She is. The you gave is the verb in Hebrew, yes. Yeah.
0: You gave is the verb. Therefore it it does lead back around to well, God. Well that's the
1: deal. You don't get Eve without God giving. Absolutely. And so God's the ultimate cause of this, therefore so, making him the functional subject.
0: So what he's doing is saying, I'm the only one who's right here. Yep. I'm the only one She who's, ate it. She screwed up. You, you gave screwed her to up me, because you gave her to me.
1: But I also ate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you leave that part out, Adam. You missed that one. But here, here's the final thing that really pisses me off about this text, and this this last verse is why I'm more confident than I'm not that Paul ain't write this. Yeah. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, Mm. provided they continue in faith, and love, and holiness, with modesty. Okay, are you saved through childbearing? Or are you saved through the blood of Jesus? You are saved through the blood of Jesus. So what the heck is that? That ain't yeah. no soteriology. Nope.
0: nope. What the heck is that? It sounds—you know—it sounds like it sounds like Mormonism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's what it sounds like to me. Hang on, I'm gonna look this up. Talk for a minute. I'm gonna talk for a minute. Yeah, so like that sounds like Mormonism to me. Like. It, so there are some, some older, um, I, I don't know if, if all Church of Latter-day Saints still believe this, but like I know that there are some older traditions that, that believe that women were constantly pregnant on their own planet uh, when they died. Um, and that's the souls being produced in the world. Kind of heretical. Um, kind of. I'm just trying to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely heretical, um, in in terms of, of scripture and theology. It, it really is. Um, <clears throat> believe what you want to believe. Like I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to believe. I'm just going to tell you based on this, based on the Bible. It's 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 not right. But that does sound like um, does sound like Mormonism to me. Yet she is saved through childbearing.
1: And this is what I was looking up. The word there for saved is sozo. It's it's the word for salvation. Mm. Like, no, homeboy, that ain't how this works.
0: Nope. What most famous and, verse in the Bible? John three sixteen, right? Like, yeah. Another direct contradiction.
1: Well, and then. I don't remember anywhere that there was a caveat upon salvation that was dependent upon a woman's modesty, hmm. which is the final sentence here or the final clause. Yeah. Yet she will be saved through childbearing provided conditionally that they continue in faith. Okay. Fair. Cool. You need faith for sure. And love and holiness. Sure. With modesty.
0: Yeah. And, 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 hmm. So what, what is the word there for modesty and what does it actually mean? Do you know? Yeah, so
1: it's not one that's used very much in the New Testament. Okay. It it literally means.
0: I'm just curious. Yeah, give me a second.
1: I got to look it back up. But it, the most literal translation, I think, um, is, yeah, it's like, Good sense. It's like.
0: So like logical thinking.
1: Yeah. So for soon Well, modesty is not a bad word for it. I mean, it's not. Maybe the best, but it, it means like. Yeah, like good sense or. Maybe
0: almost like considerate. Okay. So modesty is not a bad word there, but it's not the best because modesty implies, at least in modern times, right? Which we are reading a Bible that has been translated for modern readers.
1: But to some extent, I mean, it's, but it, it, it really, like modesty is a good word because it's the same word used when the author says, and they should dress themselves modestly, right. not adorning themselves with jewelry and braids and gold and pearls. And
0: okay, so it it, it is the same word. It's used the, there.
1: literally, it's the exact same word. Same same position, same everything. Okay, it is the exact same word that's used in verse nine. So
0: this is where we get the idea of the modern idea of modesty. Modesty,
1: yeah. It it modesty. And it's,
0: it's not mistranslated or anything. No, no, no. It's that's a good. It's says. a
1: fair translation. Okay. Of what it says. Now. It's. Yeah. It's a fair translation. It's not.
0: Totally there. But. It's not far off either. But like. Fundamentally. What I have to say about the modesty thing. We've already said though. Well. Like. It's your fault bro. It's not hers. Yeah. I agree. It's not her job. To dress. In a way. That you. Don't lust after her that's not her job
1: her job's not to be concerned with where your mind goes
0: no that i mean that's not her job is to dress how she feels comfortable her
1: job is to dress the way that she feels that she needs to to embrace her identity as being made and loved as a person in the image of god absolutely if for her that means that feeling beautiful reveals a little bit more skin than you would want her to who are you to say that like she shouldn't do that mm. you should control yourself better yep. now i will equally say there are times that i'm out in public and i see ladies wearing things that i really wish they wouldn't not because of how it makes me feel but because of what it says about how they feel about themselves mm. But there's a lot of tactful women that wear things that are beautiful and complement their bodies and their beauty well that I hear other men go, she shouldn't be wearing that. And it's like, how dare you, bro? Like that's her. Let her do her, you do you.
0: If you don't like it, don't look. I think I think that's probably true in all instances. Um I- I try not to uh, – I do have a little bit of a bias because I grew up in a fundamentalist tradition, mm-hmm. right? Like, I do have a little bit of a bias here that I try to work through. Um, but I try not to judge any woman based on what she's wearing. Yep. Any woman, whatever piece of clothing she's wearing, yep. right? Like, I try my hardest. Um, there was – it was, that's not a story for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but because, as we talked about on Let's Talk earlier this week, you can never truly know somebody else's intentions yeah. and, and their true motives. Yep. And so, like, I, I never try to say that they dress this way because they want attention or, or yeah. whatever. No, maybe that's just how they're expressing themselves. Correct. And and that's fine, yeah. right? It's not my place to judge. It's not my place to tell them to put clothes on uh. or to... Uh, let's turn this back the other way. You remember that um, that episode of um, the Three Stooges where one of them runs up and tries to, like, put a belt around somebody's, like, pants? You don't remember nah, this? bro. You shouldn't do that either. Yeah. Right? Like... Yeah. Stop judging people by what they're wearing. Yeah. I think for me,
1: when I look at this text, I just go, look, there are more problems here with this text than I see solutions. Yeah. And for me, when I take a step back and go, okay, what is the author here actually saying? He's talking to a specific group of people that are abusing women for the purpose of idol worship. Yep. That in context makes a whole lot more sense than applying this as a universal rule over all women in church. The
0: Bible is written for us, not to us, bro.
1: But I would also be remiss to say like that doesn't change the fact that there are blatant contradictions also true here. And so what does that mean for me? It means that I've got to take this text and apply it against the rest of the points that I have across the narrative of women and see which one outweighs the other. You already know, based on this conversation, what I think outweighs. And the reason is 100% because this text causes more problems than it provides solutions for.